Welcome to What They Never Told Us, the podcast where we explore our own personal journeys in the hopes to give you some insight into your own narrative. I'm your host, Sasha, licensed mental health counselor. And I'm your host, Crystal, licensed social worker. Yes, we are mental health professionals. However, we are not experts on anyone else but ourselves. You are the only expert on you. The information shared or discussed on this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health professional. Welcome back to another episode of the podcast of What They Never Told Us. Today, Crystal and I are going to be discussing something that I feel like we've all been feeling. We've It's almost this unnameable thing, um, and I think it's affecting us every single day. I know Crystal also agrees, but um, before we talk about this big thing that's like looming over us, um, I want to know first, what are you holding in, Boom? Um, I feel like I'm holding in a lot of dread and despair. Maybe those are not the right words or the right emotions, but I think that's the closest that I can get to describing how I feel. I feel like, I don't know, like something potentially bad is looming in the future. (laughs) It sounds so terrible. It's not that bad, but I don't know. I think like there's a part of me that's like just very worried about what's going to happen next. And then I think also today's topic is part of what's going to happen next for me in my life because my time in Italy is coming to an end. And I really enjoyed staying in Italy um, and I really liked it here. And it's not so much that I'm like, I want to live in Italy forever, but there's this part of me that just doesn't want to go home either. And there's a lot of dread about like the life that I'm supposed to go back to, which is not even a, a, a life that I feel like I enjoy. And even though I feel guilty because even though there are people who are waiting for me to return, I don't feel like I have that much that I'm looking forward to returning to like the people in my life yes but everything else I'm like I'm good like I if I could get a restart like a do-over I mean I I can I'm in control of my life but that's just kind of how I feel like I don't know that I necessarily want to go back home because I don't know that home has anything I want except for my people's but Yeah, I think I just feel a lot of dread about that. (laughs) Yeah, no, I get that. Uh, I, I think we all, and I'm not undermining your feelings. I just, I can relate it back to, and this is pre-pandemic, when, you know, I would go on vacation and I didn't want to come back because it just felt so good to be where I was, right? Like you were away, you weren't as stressed, um, and I also know like last year I went to my aunt's house for two weeks in Florida and I just remember like I had so much waiting for me here but I didn't want to come back because of what I realized I had over there which was family and like a home and I it was home that's what I was looking for I was looking for home and I just I knew that even though I had people here in New York like obviously I wanted to see them but I didn't have a home to come home to. And it sucks, right? Like, because then you just have to decide, now what do I do? (laughs) Like, how do I get that? And more work. (laughs) And maybe you don't want to do some work. And it's just, it gets annoying. So I can definitely relate. 
Honestly, when you said home, that shit triggered me. So I feel like there's a part of me that's trying to figure out what is home. I don't know. What is home? Because I feel like I, even before I came here to Italy, I feel like I kept wanting that. Like I wanted home, like a home. I remember I used to say like a home base, like somewhere where I feel safe, like somewhere that feels like it's like always present and always stable. And I think that that's what I'm thinking about. And I just feel like we, I, well, I'll speak for myself, but I'm, I'm sure a lot of other people do it. We think about all of the things in life that we're supposed to do and like a job and friends and going out. And, and I feel like now that we are past this pandemic, I think like the things that matter to me are like, what's home, what's stable, what's consistent, what feels warm and fuzzy and stable. Like I, like I can trust in it. And I feel like I don't, have that and I feel like going back to New York I'm gonna kind of just like go back to something that is none of those things and I'm afraid that I'm gonna just jump right back into the same old same old so you said a lot and I think that this is exactly why we're doing this episode in particular because I also have been having feelings about exactly what you said about home and what that means and the fact that, like, I don't even think I thought about it before the pandemic this way. But I think right now, instead of feeling like I don't have it, something's happening to me where I'm just really angry at the way I used to function. And now I'm like, I'm searching for something and I'm just like frustrated and I'm overwhelmed. And I'm looking around and like, yo, y'all are fucking stupid. And and yes, yes, I'm caught like. I really try not to cancel people out uh, because I don't believe in that. I don't like cancel culture, but there are just certain points that I get to. And I've been, I've been feeling very frustrated with people lately. I just get to the point where I'm just like, you know what? I don't have time to explain to you. I hope that whatever I said permeates in your brain. And then later on, you could take it as your idea. Great. I don't give a fuck as long as we get there together. You know what I feel? I feel like the the little kid in the the emperor's new clothes where like everyone's like these imaginary clothes are so beautiful and they're all applauding. And I'm out there like, yo, he's naked. Does everybody see he's naked? And then other people are like, oh, my God, he's naked. Did you know? And I'm like, yo, shut the fuck up. Leave me alone because I saw this from before and it's getting me frustrated. Uh, so that's how I'm feeling. But it, it, it is in relation to like the state of the world and where we're at right now. So I completely get you. I do. Like, and I, I know that what I said triggered you, but um, I feel as though that that just shows us that we're experiencing something together and not just Crystal and I together. I mean, like the world together. Yeah, I think for me, a few things, because I feel like we didn't get to where we are by accident. I think here in America, like, we took a turn <laughs> way back in like 2016 when we elected our president. And I just feel like whatever I, this is going to sound kind of harsh, whatever a world we thought we were living in, um, where we thought like, okay, like we've had a black president, we're making progress, LGBTQ rights, blah, 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 whatever. 
I think like whatever cover, whatever rose colored glasses we were wearing, like Trump came in and was like, psych, I'm gonna take those right the fuck off. And I'm gonna show you what this country is really about. And I think like he changed the trajectory of so many things in America, um, which were already bad to begin with, but I feel like he made it significantly worse. And then we had this like super tragic pandemic. The response was so fucking butchered, like so bad. And I feel like it's kind of put us in this position where it, I will all speak for myself, where it feels like there's no light at the end of the tunnel. Like there's kind of like, I'm just walking in the dark and I don't know where I'm going and I can't see. And I'm not really sure that there's anything at the end of this. I'm not sure that I'm just not gonna keep walking in the dark for the rest of my fucking life. And I don't know, I think it's just put me in this really weird place where it's kind of like, we are not where we were before, but some people are trying to get back to where we were before. And then some people are trying to create a new normal, but it's kind of impossible because we're not all on the same page. So there's no way for us to create a new normal if we're not all on the same page. And I feel like I just sound like I'm a whiny baby. I'm sorry. You do not sound like a whiny baby. So this is, there are a couple things I really want to say, and they're a little more pointed. So one, I just want to say, let's stop saying post-pandemic. It's not healthy. We are in a pandemic. Let's stop saying post-pandemic. It's not over. It's not over. And we're still in it. And like, this is part of the problem and part of why it feels so confusing, right? Because we're acting one way as though like, yeah, let's get back to normal. And the reality is that we're not. That's one. Two, I want to talk a little bit about what life was like before the pandemic, because I think you were so spot on when you spoke about rose colored glasses. Um, I was listening to this podcast about school and education in in America. And one teacher who was really good at his job, even during the pandemic, decided to quit. The journalist asked him, why did you quit, actually? And he said, well, it just kind of feels as though the veil has been lifted. So let's talk a little bit about what life was like pre-pandemic, at least for me, at least for you, because I think that we need that reminder, right? So like, we'd go to work, uh, we care about social justice issues, but it was like for one second and then we'd keep it moving, right? So I want to point out that there was already this apathy building towards mm-hmm. the things that really do matter, especially if you care. Um, and it's almost like we we became numb to it before any of this. So, and I also think that was because we, like, if you look at, it's kind of like looking at the birth of a child, right? Like if you look at its first uh, couple of years, well, at least for you and I, and like how we've developed into adulthood now in this generation, in our generation, um, we were never taught how to properly deal with emotions, right? So like if we started becoming numb to these things, it has to do because it has to do with the fact that we would get overwhelmed by it and then feel like, well, I have other things to tend to. So let me just shut off, right? Um, and then we shut down. And I think that as a collective, we had been doing that. And it's not that wasn't healthy to begin with. Right. Um, but it did feel different. Right. It didn't feel as though there was like this looming thing over us. Right. Like and I started really thinking about this. And I, I really do believe it's because we didn't have an acknowledged common threat. And I'm not talking about the pandemic, um, because I know that uh a virus is a is a threat. It's a common threat that we all experience. But I'm talking about how we got to the point of the pandemic where we all became divided. This mm-hmm. common threat, it has to do with the actual political state of our country, of our mm-hmm. world, 
and the things that we decided not to talk about and the things that were just not being said. And because it wasn't in our face, it wasn't threatening. But I think it was always there. Well, I would say, I think for those of us who are in privileged positions, it was not in our face because I would argue that for for certain groups, it has never not been in their face. Absolutely. Um, And I think that's such an important point to to make because we weren't affected by it. And I think that a lot of us had been living under privilege without actually recognizing that we were privileged. Mm -hmm. And then side note, what happens when you take away someone's privilege? Like they feel everything. And I think that this is something that's happening to a lot of us lately. and, And it's causing us to have reactions, right? But let's go back to how things used to be. So Obama being president, it kind of like team that a little bit because it was just like well no look at the progress right like we had something to look towards and then once trump became president which is almost inevitable right because if you think about the Mm -hmm. the cycle of change it's always going to fluctuate there's go it's going Mm -hmm. to operate on a pendulum you're you're gonna have one extreme and then you're gonna have the other and like our history has been like that nonstop. um but when he became president it was like this thing that happened and we were all shocked and i was a little terrified to be quite honest And then we immediately did this avoidance thing, I think, with him, where he would say something absolutely ridiculous and we would laugh it off and we wouldn't take it serious. And we were just like, whatever, what a fucking fool, what a joke, da 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 da. And we invalidated him in our minds, not recognizing that there were other people in the country validating him a thousand percent. So mm-hmm. if you think about the culture of our country, like, and how, like, we're saying, oh, he's a joke. And once he's gone, other people are starting to build up this ideology from him and solidifying that in our base. And now to move forward from that, even though he's not president, it's really, really hard. I think that also speaks to our privilege because I I remember when Trump was running for president as a New Yorker, which is a like like specifically New York City. It's a very blue, like we're very liberal. There's so much... There's so many people from all over the world. Um, I was like, there's no way this man's going to live. And I think it's the privilege of living in a city, such a liberal city for the most part, right? I was kind of like the rest of America. Like, yeah, there's racists here and there, but the rest of America sees the bullshit for what it is. And I think like it was just because we lived in where we lived and we didn't think that other people were following Trump the way that they were but I think that all those people were always there and that's why I said like he took the rose-colored glasses off of us because it was kind of like oh it's not that bad um or we could kind of fool ourselves into thinking it's not that bad but I feel like these people were just hiding in the shadows and then Trump came in and they were like okay they just jumped out the fucking bush and I'm like where the fuck did y'all come from like and I think like I feel stupid because it's like I should have never been surprised by that? Mm, no, I completely get that. And you know what this reminds me of? So yesterday I was talking to um, a group of people who are in my field and who are in our field. And we were talking about change and we were talking about how heavy it feels to hold all these things, the things that exactly that we were talking about, right? Like racism. I mean, stupidity, ignorance. Um, and yes, I'm being judgy. A lot of the people in that group were just feeling like, What's the point? Why are we doing this? And it kind of hit me. I was thinking about change and how people actually process change and the the like how it's never this 
oh, this decision, I'm going to change. And then you go to the next level. There's always a lot of bullshit in between where you just feel Mm -hmm. like this is very, very hard. And I brought up the point of the fact that when we talk about change, we never talk about it in the way it actually looks, right? And I think I mentioned this in another episode last year, but we never talk about relapse. You never talk Mm -hmm. about the fact that you're going to go back. So it's almost like there's this expectation amongst us all to just be in a better place, period, not recognizing that we're gonna go back. And like when you said, I feel stupid, that's how I feel when I'm engaging in a process of change from my own self. And I do the thing that I said I wouldn't do anymore. I feel stupid. I guess, yeah, that's a good reminder. And maybe I'm, I'm, I'm being hopeful that this has changed in my life because I feel like we're... To, like it's 2022 and I feel like I'm kind of like going back to 2020 where it was just kind of like what are we doing what's next I don't know like I feel like I'm back there kind of like in this place of like not knowing and I wanted to talk about the feeling that I've been getting so um I know that back in uh 2021 there was this article that came out by the New York Times talking about this experience called languishing And I think that, you know, back in April of 2021, we thought we had reached like the light at the end of the tunnel because we were like, okay, we got our vaccines. If you go back to listen to our episode, I was like, shot girl summer, bitch, I'm gonna be outside. (laughs) (laughs) I was not outside. You know, like we were like, okay, we're going to take off these masks soon. We're going, you know, we're going to like hang out with our people. Like, like hope was on the horizon. Like very, like we felt like we could see then all of a sudden then Delta came through and it was just kind of like, and we're back. Um, And it was just kind of this like perpetual trajectory of two steps forward, one step back, three steps forward, five steps back. And I think like it put us in this like psychological survival mode um, where we were kind of like trying to maintain and uphold what used to be. And it was impossible because it felt like it was just slipping through our fingers, like like the the normal, like this pre-pandemic normal. We were trying to be like, okay, like let's let's go, and we were trying to hold it up, and it just wasn't working. And I think it kind of put us in this place where uh, emotionally, where it wasn't like burnout, but it wasn't depression, but it felt like a little bit of both because there was kind of like this hopelessness, like. Are we moving forward? Are we staying the same? Are we going back for backwards? And it just felt very aimless. And I and and that's that feeling of like languishing, where you just kind of like are. It almost feels like you're in this state of limbo, and you don't really know where you're headed. And I feel like that's where I'm stuck. And I think like in that process of being stuck and languishing, and this like aimlessness is limbo I've experienced depression I've experienced burnout and I'm like okay now that this is behind me I'm expecting for things to get better and then I'm like but no I'm still I'm still here like I I quit my job I'm like great like that's behind me now and then I'm like oh but now I have to like create a new reality for myself and I'm like I don't know that the world around me has changed to create a new reality for myself so what am I supposed to do Mm. and I just feel very stuck and it's starting to weigh on me a lot (laughs) you know I love that uh well thank you for being so transparent about your process because I really do feel a lot of us have been going through this 
I don't think it's just you and I. I I have conversations with other people. I have conversations with the people on my job and not just my colleagues, but also the people that I I essentially work for, um, you know, who I give services to. They they're all kind of just unsure of what's happening. It's almost like, yeah, they know they want something, but it's it's very confusing for them. And I think that everything that we're talking about has left us in a state of confusion, right? Um, like, especially with COVID, we've, we've been, we experienced this, this actual common threat. And now it's, it's turned into this collective trauma and we're constantly revolving our lives around COVID, right? Like, is this strain real? Like, is the media actually telling me the truth? Are they just trying to input fear into us like am i negative am i positive should i take my mask off should i not yo how come this is not gonna end right like these are questions that i really do think about every single day and that has become the common threat and i think that we don't recognize how much energy we put into it especially the way that the media shows it and then on top of everything because of the fact that i think the pandemic unveiled something that had been bubbling underneath for a very long time now we don't have the words to actually point out what's going on. So mm-hmm. that's what happens when you get depressed or you have anxiety or what, mm-hmm. like these things start affecting your everyday life. It just kind of feels like it, it, it pounced on you and you're like, yeah, what the fuck is happening? But when in reality, like it's been there. So I, I do want to break a couple things down, things that had been exacerbated by the pandemic, right? So you already spoke to the fact that we were privileged, Mm-hmm. And at least you and I, like I, and it's so interesting. Like I never thought about how other people were experiencing life before the pandemic. So if they were feeling this and now we're feeling a, a different kind of burden, that has to do with oppression. That has to do with the way our systems are set up and the way we experience it without even recognizing it. And then we own it and we internalize this oppression. And then we can't, and then we don't feel like there's hope to move forward. We kind of just feel like it's going to feel this way. It's going to be this way forever. Like you feel stuck in it. Um, And the whole point of like, I, I mentioned in last episode, liberation psychology is to start pinpointing and verbalizing exactly what it is that's going on so that you take the weight off of yourself. Because let's not forget, we live in this very individualistic world where the onus is constantly put on the self to blame ourselves and say, I must be lazy. I must be doing something wrong. Why can't I feel better even though I technically we are safe, right? Like, so in these are thoughts I have to myself, like, what's wrong with me? Am I just going to be hopeless for the rest of my life? And I know that that's not true, but it really does feel like, like I'm latching on to nothing. And because of that, I, I, I want to mention a couple of things. What happens when our economic state as a collective gets bad and how that affects individuals and then how therefore that affects the collective. And I also want to talk about change in and of itself and why it's so difficult for us to move forward as individuals, but imagine trying to push the group forward. So if you're feeling like this weight on you, it's for a reason. So I think I was in college when I learned this in sociology. Um, The impact of socioeconomic factors on mental health is there is a correlation connected with the fact that when there's high economic stress in a nation, there's also going to be more mental health issues, uh, more stress, mm-hmm. more feeling as though you can't cope, right? So just on an individual level, when you yourself are having economic troubles, you have trouble sleeping, you have digestive problems, um, stress can make you gain or lose weight, um, 
you have in the inability to enjoy regular activities, and then you have severe anxiety or panic attacks. And as I was reading this, I was like, oh shit, the nation's having a panic attack. Our world is having a panic attack. It's it's lost. It doesn't like we're not enjoying the same things we used to before. A lot of it is because of this economic stress that we've been dealing with. I mean, look at the way violence has gone up, especially mm-hmm. in New York City. Oh, um, look at and and then you think about violence and why it happens. I think violence happens as a fear response. Mm-hmm. And if you're scared of what's going on and you're scared of not being able to maintain yourself and you're scared of not having a future, right? That's anxiety. You're going to be in defense mode. You're going to try and protect everything that you have. That speaks to a lot of what's happen- happening culturally in our country. Like when you have these very drastic changes, going back to Trump and like the politics of our world with the economic piece now, when you have these very drastic changes, And when you're directly feeling it, you're not just watching it from afar, you go into survival mode. So for us to be in this situation, like I'm I'm not, as I'm looking at it with a different lens, I'm not that surprised that all this shit is happening, like politically, um, how people are Mm -hmm. reacting, the fact that there's more violence, the fact that we feel lost. Like, Mm -hmm. I think something is, is definitely happening to us. Yeah. I think like, as you were speaking, what it was reminding me of, like the stress, the economic stress, it just get it, any sort of stress, period. It just affects your ability to make decisions. And I think that the fear puts you into extreme survival mode, right? And when you're in survival mode, your ability to make effective decisions for the collectives sometimes get skewed because you're thinking I can't think about somebody else I have to think about what I need to survive like I can't worry about you and I feel like we're seeing that on a very um, macro level in terms of like the people who are making decisions who are they making decisions in favor of and I think like it's also having a snowball effect um, to make things worse right because when we're talking about like an increase in crime then it's like okay more police but it's like we didn't need more police what we need is more like social services and it kind of like starts to build and snowball like on itself um like we don't need like the reason we have an increase in crime is people don't have jobs people don't know how they're gonna feed people you know themselves like what are all of the social factors that these people are stressed about that's leading to said crime and then we're treating the symptoms instead of treating the root cause and I think like I'm glad that you feel hopeful and I'm listening to you because I I think at this point I'm kind of like so we're still not learning from our mistakes cool 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 cool. like got it (laughs) so this is what I think there's there's so many different things happening to us right and I think again, like similar to, and I, I'll, I'll always parallel this, pro, like my process with the therapeutic process, because I really do believe this is, oh, this is my way of life. This is like my religion. I've said that before. When you get depressed, when you get anxiety, when you feel something's off, right, and then you start working on yourself, and you start, you go into the therapy office, and you're like, I don't know what happened, and then you start uncovering little by little what really went on, like what really went down, and why you got to the point you're at right now. That's how change happens. And I've experienced it before. And I think that we all need to be doing that as a collective in order to move forward. Um, I do believe in that process. 
And I also believe that you need to start naming these things because if you don't, then they live inside you and we, and it goes back to like the self-blame, right? Like then you just kind of feel down, like you feel powerless, you feel out of control. And when a human being feels out of control, that's it. They're done. Right. Like mm-hmm. I, it, they, I hate feeling that way. It's, it's just hopeless. It's mm-hmm. a, and you're in an abyss and you can't do anything about it. And that's how it gets extreme, right? Whatever it is you're feeling. But I, it's not that I'm hopeful. I think I'm just starting to see it from a different lens. We were also at a point where it was just too overwhelming to deal with. Once we are able to start pinpointing like, oh, okay, this is something happening to me as opposed to this is me doing this to myself or the life is just meaningless, then we can move forward and actually start making a decision like on how we want to live. And like we always talk about choice. And no one, ha- no one in our, our culture has taught us how to choose happiness but the reality Mm -hmm. is that we have that choice every single day and now that's starting to seem more realistic for me because of the fact that before I couldn't feel like I could choose happiness because it felt very fake to me now Mm -hmm. it feels as though the world has been set up in a way where I wasn't even taught how to choose happiness and I think that's extremely important because there's so many things that we're not taught but once you learn it's almost like you're undoing the effects of what's being placed on you. So we can choose happiness. Like there are things that are better. There are things in my life that I, even though I feel kind of confused, once I can pinpoint and say, this is why I feel confused. Oh, that's not necessarily me. That's not necessarily life. This is something that's being made. I can choose another route. Uh, No, that makes a lot of sense. I think for... For me, I'm just waiting for all of us as a collective, as a country, to finally start to pinpoint those things so we can start making that collective change. Because I feel like um, it kind of reminds me of the self-care community care episode. It's like at this point, I'm kind of like working on the self-care, waiting for the community to like catch up to where it is that we need to be. Because I, I don't believe that we'll be okay just focusing on the self-care. And I think that that's also something that was kind of shattered during this time. It's the, what we spoke about. It's like, we can't self-care our way out of this. We can't be individualistic to get our get ourselves out of this. We have to focus on everyone as a whole. Um, so fingers crossed, I'll be waiting. <laughs> you know, that's so interesting, right? Like the whole waiting piece and I get it I I want people on board too I'm also starting to recognize that you ever feel like the the people who are in leadership positions should just not be in those leadership positions and the ones who should are the ones who stray away from the leadership position because of the fact that it's a lot to hold um Mm -hmm. the reality is that those who are in leadership positions and I'm not just talking about government I'm talking about even Mm -hmm. at your job um Mm -hmm they're there because of the way we were functioning before. So, you know, this apathy that we experienced, those who really should be leaders were kind of just avoiding it maybe because they didn't want the stress, the extra stress. Um, And those who take it on, they don't feel the stress of what is really happening. They do it for Mm -hmm. their own personal reasons, a lot of them. All that to say, I think that some of us shouldn't be waiting anymore. And I'm sorry if I'm indirectly calling you out. (laughs) (laughs) I hope that's okay. Um, Yeah, I don't think we should be waiting anymore. I think that 
we need, well, I, I do think that we are putting our voices out there and um, asking people to really stop and think about what it is that's going on. And sometimes people need that, that push, right? And like, so I, I don't know, like more and more, I feel like we need to be, if you see it, then you need to be that person who voices your, what you see. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree with you 100%. Maybe I'm not, like, I'm over here, like, I'm waiting for everybody else. Maybe I'm the one that needs to catch. <laughs> you know, it's not that you're the one who needs to do it, because then that also becomes very, no, like, no, no, no. punitive. Yes, I, mm-hmm, no, you're you're right. I think we always, our mind functions in, like, black and white all the time. Mm-hmm. And oh, we assume that everybody's in... Trump land or you know racism or whatever it is that we don't like or we assume you're just being oppressed or you know you're not getting you don't have power there's this huge in between that we don't speak about and there are a lot of people who are in between that like in that gray living in their gray area like they know something's up they're not sure they don't know how to put their finger on it but if more people in the gray area start having conversations to name what's happening like I believe that's how you move forward to to actually create change right like you it's not just extreme it's not just like pulling the extreme the extremists to your side no it's it's literally just asking someone to step over the line depending on how close to the line they are and then some people will never get to that point but i i'm starting to see it in in like a more practical way where i think there's so many of us that don't speak up and all it takes is for us to start talking about our experience and saying like oh shit there's this thing happening to us did you notice the things that I think we need to start talking about is something like the fact that economic stress will inevitably affect the collective in a negative way. Right. You know, especially now you look around New York City and you're thinking to yourself, what the fuck is going on? Why are so many attacks happening on the train? Why are so many people angry? Um, why am I so angry? Why am I holding all this? And the reality is that we're experiencing a shift in stress and the way we deal with it and who you know, whoever used to deal with it can no longer mm. contain it. So it kind of gets pushed on the rest of us because that's what happens when you become stretched thin, right? Like we're feeling stretched. Mm. And I think that no one is recognizing that. And we all just want to go back to this point of, you know, Obama time when we were chilling, putting mm. hashtags in our, our Instagram, like traveling. I know I did that. Traveling and <laughs> just kind of living life and going out and having drinks. And like, I think those things are fun. But if you find yourself just, like me, not having, not feeling fulfilled by them anymore. I think there's a reason. I think that those things were just maybe two things. Either they're not fulfilling because of what you're experiencing now, so nothing can kind of fill that void unless you acknowledge Mm -hmm. it. Or maybe we were just not living with our eyes open before. And maybe now we have to live with our eyes open. And that takes work. For me, I, I I will say the latter. I think I wasn't living with life with my eyes open. And I think that there are things that you're just kind of like, why was I just operating out of like, this is what I'm told. This is what we're doing. We were yeah. also super distracted. And it's kind of like, I think like this is just a very unique position because it's like, okay, we are now collectively seeing things or getting to the point where we're stretched so thin that we have to see things. But it's, it, I think like for me, it's kind of like, it's just one of those things where it's like, all right, like 
where's the balance between what I can do right now and what's what do we do as a collective? I I get what you're saying. So I kind of feel like this is like community self-care part two, if you really think about it. Mm-hmm. Because when you're engaging in the process of change, it's never going to feel good. It feels good afterwards because it's fulfilling in a very different way. It has like a level of substance that you didn't feel before. So you know that's that's your marker for progress. That's your marker for like, oh, okay, I must be doing something right. I also think that we look for these markers to direct us in the right direction or just to kind of validate the fact that we are doing something worthwhile. And I think right mm-hmm. now it's very difficult to latch on to something feeling like it's worthwhile because we are so lost. And it's not mm-hmm. just economically, it's, you know, our mental health. It's the fact that, again, we have this common threat and no one wants to talk about it. You feel crazy. Like, hold on, should I really be worried about this? And then I don't know about other people, but I know that in my job, and I I think this is like a thing now, it just, it's not fulfilling the same way it used to be. And I think I do fulfilling work. So there's, Mm -hmm. there's this shift in like having to, to redefine so much. And then we have to keep moving. So I understand why we need these directives, but I also understand the process of change enough to know that this is what change feels like. It's confusing. It's without guidance. It, and especially if you're the one leading the charge, whether it's in your individual life or whether it's in your mm-hmm. friend group or whether it's you leading the charge and then having to leave people behind, that shit is hard. That is hard fucking work and no one wants to acknowledge it. So now we're all kind of staying stuck and just kind of like, you know, when you're depressed, you lay in bed the whole day and you keep doing the same thing, hoping that one day you magically feel better. Or... Some of us get up and I'm and we're like, what the fuck is happening? Right. Like, and it, it reminds me so much of therapy and how we deal with mental health issues because these are unknown factors. These are unknown things happening to us. And like I I want to make it very clear that there is something happening to us. It's not just us as individuals who are losing hope. And I don't think it's just life that is shitty. I think this is something we created and I think that we have the opportunity to recreate it. And you were right. It's a very unique position. And I sound hella positive right now, which is so funny to me, but I'm (laughs) I'm actually, I don't feel that I'm being positive. I feel I like I'm being practical because the way I'm looking at it. No, I agree. And I think uh, for me, I'm kind of like getting stuck in the fact that I feel stuck as opposed to just kind of like what we say a lot about doing the work in terms of like, you just kind of gotta, you know, like sometimes shit just gets worse and it feels more confusing and you kind of feel like you're sinking further down before you come back up and you start like in that sinking feeling, you think like, is this what the fuck I'm supposed to be doing? And I think I'm kind of like in that sinking place and maybe just having more trust in the process this is part of, like you said, part of the the change process, part of that moving backwards, part of that relapse, um, and just kind of like continuing to move forward. And I really like that you said that, I think, because it has to do with this validation piece, this feeling of like, when you look back, and you're trying to find other people to compare yourself to, because this is a thing we do. Are, Are you doing the right thing? Is this normal? So when like, I think it's very normal that you're feeling that. I think it's, I've been feeling it. It's very normal that we're all feeling it. So I want to normalize that process of feeling like, is this fucking worth it? Without having 
the residual shame and guilt that we experience when we start questioning things that or questioning the good things in our life. Um, it's very hard to enjoy the good things when you don't feel like there's an overall purpose. Um, so that is really, really normal to question and to feel like, is this okay, right? Like I, I, I say it all the time. I go through existential crises every, every three to four months. And, I, and I, it's true because I think for, for a long time, I've been trying to find true meaning in this life. And it has to do with watching my father die early. So you think about what's the point? What do you want to like that? That's how I find my purpose. I'm like, what is what is the real point of all this? So I do think I'm a little more versed in these in these like mental dialogues that I have with myself because of what I experienced. But I do want to normalize that process. Also, talking about that experience, I want people to recognize again that we're not going through a normal time, right? Like life isn't how we wanted it to be. Life isn't what we expected. We're grieving something that we've lost or what we thought we were working towards. You know, the rug has been pulled from underneath us and we're like, what the fuck just happened? Um, We're in a very interesting state as a collective because of what happened to us and also because of what has been continuously happening. And then when you add more bullshit, you add the violence, you add the, the whole feeling like everyone's going to explode if race is even brought up in our country. And, and then you start wondering, why am I so angry? Why am I so irritable? What's going on? Something's happening to us. Like the pressure cooker is on, the, the lid is sealed tight and it's fucking hot in here and we're all dying to get out because of the fact that something is happening to us and we don't have to stay in that format. Like that's not life. This life was created. And like, there's a way to move forward differently. I agree with you. I think that was such a beautiful like metaphor and kind of like way of putting it because I think it, it kind of like the imagery that it comes up for me is something that is realistic, but also something that feels like we can move forward to. And I feel like hope is definitely one of those things in life that's so super necessary. Like, I think if we don't have hope, if we don't feel like there's something to uh, look forward to. I think just as humans, as a species, we would not be okay. So I think I love that that metaphor of kind of just like, yeah, we're in a pressure cooker, but you know what's what's at the end of the pressure cooker? Some good food. Something nice and tender and ready to be consumed. Well, maybe not ready to be consumed, but you know what I mean. Ready to be enjoyed. Uh, something to be enjoyed. Absolutely. Absolutely. That was our episode. Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate our listeners every week. I promise we do. Uh, definitely make sure to check us out on Instagram and, and TikTok at Never Told This Pod. Or you can send us an email at nevertoldthispod at gmail.com. And as always, make sure to come back next time so we can tell you what they never told us. <laughs>